It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and my co-host, the Poppy Steakhouse gift card to buy Colby Covington night out, Nick Braccia. Nick, some crazy shenanigans going on. Jorge Masvidal had a full 25 minutes to beat up Colby Covington. He figured, nope, I'm not going to do that here. This anyway, is going to be his he, night. He said, I'm going to, I mean, here's what I think happened. And then I he attacked him, Nick. I think that there was some At Poppy Jorge Steakhouse. Stand. There was some George Masvidal stand that was like working, you know, working as a runner, working at the kitchen. Maybe it was at the bar. Somebody narked on Colby being there and Masvidal. Like, Do you know who was that narked on him, Nick? Do you know who was no, that narked would, on him? How would I know? It was it was Colby Covington's manager who posted videos on Instagram. Really? Yes. And that, And it was from seeing that on Instagram that he knew where he was and got there that quickly? Presumably, I feel like uh, I feel like one of the Kawa brothers, uh, whoever manages Kobe, um, I'm sorry, whoever manages Masvidal, tweeted like thank you to uh, like either whoever he whoever he was with. He said thank you to, as in like we saw that classy. That's good. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I don't like Colby Covington, but like what? It's just whatever, you know. Masvidal now is going to get indicted for felony assault. So good on him. Um, yeah, it was really hard for Masvidal, I think, to take that loss given all the all the kind of unkind well, things that Covington uh, uh, said about him. I mean, look, he couldn't. He didn't have the skill. He doesn't have the talent to be Kobe Covington in that kind of situation. But apparently he has the the lack of judgment to like attack him from behind is what it sounds like. Now, look, I'm, I'm not on Kobe Covington's side by any means. When you say shit like Kobe does to people like Masvidal, like, we know what to expect. I'm not saying that makes this okay by any means by Masvidal. Obviously, he's, he, he's, he was a lunatic here. There's no question. Um, but you have to say, like, if you cross certain boundaries it, of, of, like, a, somebody that used to be really close to you, you know that he's a street fighter. You know that he's, involved, uh, that he's been involved in this kind of shit in the past. You know that he's attacked somebody for talking trash to him. The fuck do you think? Like, is that really that, un, like, unexpected? Um, both guys are assholes. Both guys are idiots. You and I thought so before this fight happened, and uh, it's showing to be true here once again. Yeah. I mean, not a lot to say. Just kind of disgusting. It did make me look at the menu, though, at Poppy Steak, and it looks pretty good. Does it really? You decided. Oh, yeah. So let me get this straight. You heard that two mixed martial artists, two top 10 welterweights, got into a fist fight at a restaurant, and your first thought was, what did they serve that night? What were the specials? Yeah, well, I wanted, to, and I also wanted to see the price. The prices aren't listed on the site, but it's a uh, it Nick. Seems doesn't like that tell you everything you need to know? Have you ever seen like prices not listed, and then you go in there and spend I don't know sixty bucks for two? No fucking way, Nick. If prices yeah. aren't listed, there's a good goddamn reason for it. Yep. Agreed. And it's because a celebrity is taking you, Kobe Covington, because you didn't make any. Uh, pay-per-view points off that pay-per-view. Nick, isn't that crazy that the man admitted to not making any pay-per-view points? In other words, he got paid a couple hundred grand to win that five-round main event, of an event that he promoted big time, Nick, and he gets like a like a little tiny portion of the pie there. Uh, Masvidal probably made millions. It's, it's just weird how all of that worked out. Uh, but we're bearing the lead, Nick. You and I are going to dive into 
UFC Fight Night Columbus. This is another Fun live card. crowd. Yeah, man. Yeah, really. Except really for the main event. Card. What's it? What is this? In four months, we get two Chris Dawkins main events. Time out, brother. Yeah. Time out, brother Dawkins. <laughs> Time I out, can, brother Dawkins. That is great, Nick. I yeah, like I guess I don't know that there's any other fight in this card that I think should be a main event ahead of it, but. I mean, I guess that uh, I guess that Oscar Oscarov and Kai Kara France are both ranked. Or they're ranked higher. Not only are they ranked higher, Nick, but they're not even the co-main event. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. Granted, they're I mean, two I'll... foreigners in the U.S. and and you know you have Matt Brown on the card, but who between Alexa Grasso and Joanne Wood are are United States based fighters? I mean, Wood trains in the U.S. of course, but dude, like those two are. Genuinely top fighters, both genuinely top like six, I think, fighters at, at uh, 125. It's crazy talk. Yeah, they're both a fight away from a title shot. I think you're right about that. I, I think this fight could very well determine. If Oscar, the next if Oscarov didn't get hurt, and you know, and and we didn't, and uh, and Figueredo had won, he probably we'd probably be getting Oscarov, Oscarov, Figueredo. But anyway, let's. I mean, this is a 13 fight card. It's got a lot of fight fan fights on it. A lot of. Uh, tests for pro a lot of a lot of fights where you've got a surging prospect up against a tough veteran yep um, and a couple and a couple those. of fighters who are making their i think probably their last stand and what is sure to be a fucking demolition derby train wreck of a fight in matt brown brian barbarina yeah, I mean that, that's. I mean Matt Brown is a Ohio guy, so obviously he's likely to be on this card. You know, if his time frame allows for it, if he's injury free, and he's going in here against the guy who's significantly younger than him, but arguably just a shot born. So it'll be exciting. Both guys are are just cannons, but both guys have shown that they have like especially Barbonero, who used to be really durable. Uh, he's shown that he can be hurt lately, even though he recovers. Matt Brown, man, he's either knocking. Fools out or, or get knocked out. It seems like so. Definitely yeah, going to be. Think, I don't think. I don't think Matt Brown's a glass cannon. I but I think uh, you know he doesn't have great defense and he just fall, goes out on a sword. But like, it's you're not, right. Maybe you glass Matt, is the you wrong don't, you term. Don't, you don't. You don't touch Matt Brown once and he melts. It's like you. How about you, a tin cannon, just, Nick? Like it takes a um, lot of damage. It might stick around, but it takes a lot of fucking damage and doesn't look good doing it when being defensive. I just think he's an. I think he's an old battle bot. Anyway. Who's got yeah, first yeah. pick this week? I think you do. I have first pick, and Nikolai, I'm going to take my boy Ali Ashab Kirziev. I think I did a pretty good job of that. Dude has been trying to make his UFC debut, Nick, for what feels like years now. It actually kind of is a couple of years. Uh, he was supposed to fight Kyle Dawkins, I remember, and I, I think something happened to that matchup literally in the moments leading uh, in the in the day or two leading up to it uh, because of COVID protocols. Was supposed to fight Wellington Terman, Alessio DeCherico, um, was supposed to fight a different opponent at this event, and Magomedov pulled out. So now he's facing Dennis Tuyulin. And um, I don't know that I'm really going to need to get used to pronouncing his name, except he's probably going to get going to get another shot in the UFC after taking this tremendous undertaking here. Dennis is a Sean Strickland training partner, right? He basically got the UFC contract because he's willing to fight this guy. 
because nobody else really is, it sounds like. So uh, I think Kirziov is going to put the aggression on. He's going to put the pressure on. Could very well finish in the first few moments, but if he doesn't, he's got the cardio. He's got the will to keep pushing. Uh, he'll he'll continually go for takedowns. Pretty solid ground and pound. He will pass guard. Um, will finish you there with either ground and pound or submissions are an option for this guy, right? He has pretty serviceable southpaw pressure striking. Um, I, I think we're dealing with two very different levels here, and uh, Kirziev should do well unless... He's terribly injured or something. Yep, I had the, the same pick there. Uh, my first pick, I'm going to go with old Braccia favorite. Um, the usually super active, but a little less active as of late. He only fought three times uh, last year um, and has not yet fought this year, Neil Magny. Um, I think that Neil Magny is a particularly bad matchup for Max Griffin. I mean, Max Griffin is surging a little bit coming off the... Um, the wins against Keenan Song and, uh, you know, an older Carlos Condit. But Magny, in his, you know, in his last fight, uh, took out Joff Neal by decision. Um, is still be, is still, I think he's still beating guys. At, he's still crafty, beating guys at Max Griffin's level. I think his grappling is really, really good. I think that his striking defense is pretty good. Um, and he stays at range. And if Max Griffin tries to get too aggressive, as he does sometimes, he's going to end up on his back. And I think that Neil, I think that um, I don't think he's any threat to Neil Magny from his back, and I see him having problems uh, getting back up. So I think this is like a typical Neil Magny fight. It might be really close depending on how much Griffin lands, but um, I think Magny gets a 29-28 decision and maybe maybe can uh, can find a choke. Yeah, I agree with you about Magny. Um, it does seem like Max Griffin is kind of at his best. Physically, he's at his best. Mentally, he seems to be in a pretty good place on a three-fight winning streak. And even those fights that he does lose to guys like Alex Oliveira and Alex Morono, these are close fights. Tiago Alves, arguably, he should have won that fight, right? So so the fights that he's lost, he didn't get blown out by any means. But Neil Magny, you're right. He's kind of on a different level. Um, if you compare their records, Neil Magny's got just as many losses and I think seven more wins against much higher level of competition, right? Uh, it's a credit to Max Griffin that he's coming off of a win over Carlos Condit, but uh, I agree with you. Neil Magny, his, his pressure, his relentless offense. Um, I can see Max Griffin, by the way, potentially getting top position, potentially uh, winning moments in the clinch because he's a strong athletic guy. He has a shot here, maybe more of a shot than the odds suggest, but I agree with you on the pick. I, I've officially got Neil Magny in that one as well. His pace is going to be tough to deal with. Just a three-rounder and a big cage. Uh, you know, Max Griffin could pull off a, a close decision. My next pick is going to be in the matchup in the main event between Curtis Blades, Chris Dawkins. We know what Dawkins was able to do, right? He came into the UFC, got four relatively quick knockouts against guys who can take a knockout if put in the right circumstance. He's got fast hands, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, apparently. He's a cop, but he's taking on a hiatus uh, since his recent success. Coming off a knockout loss to Derek Lewis in a fight in which he barely did anything at all. Um, I think he kind of had a almost deer-in-headlights situation, and once he was pressured against that fence, uh, you know, it's just a matter of time. One of those shots is going to land if he's flurrying on you and you're not getting out of there. One is going to land, and it's going to knock you out, and that's what happened. Um... I, I've got to take Curtis Blades here. As much as we've seen Curtis Blades get knocked uh, get knocked out by guys like uh, Nganu, by by uh, somebody like Derek Lewis after dominating Derek Lewis, I don't like the odds of Dawkins pulling that off here. We don't know that he's able to fight late into a matchup. Uh, we you know, we know he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but how's he going to do off his back? Probably not well, right? He doesn't have that body type that's going to throw up legitimate uh, finishing level 
submissions from his back that's going to make Curtis Blades give up position. In all reality, it's only a, it is a five-round fight, and Curtis Blades is the one who has got a lot of experience going deep in a fight. He trains at elevation. Uh, also, to his credit, man, I, I just think we're dealing with two different levels here, and Chris Dawkins is getting thrown into the fire uh, where, quite frankly, he's not ready for. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is one of those things where we all know what Curtis Blades' Achilles heel is, and it's his, he has Achilles chin. Um, Chris Dawkins ain't, I don't think Chris Dawkins hits hard enough to, to fuck with that. Um, so I, I do think Christ. he probably hits hard enough, but will he get much of a chance to hit him? Curtis might test out his stand-up. It is pretty good, but I, I don't know the speed difference early on. I think Curtis. Yeah, will be a full I just don't. I don't think I don't think he's the kind of striker who can who's going to be able to. You know, he may hurt him, uh, but I don't think he's going to knock out Blades. So I, I think you're right. I tend to uh, I tend to agree with you. Um, what you got next? Buddy? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. Um, I listen. I, I like Joanne Wood. I've been a big fan of hers for a while. I think. Um, I think Alexa Grazo has been coming up at a at a good clip. And aside from that Esparza fight where she did do really really well, um, like I I just I like the way that she has been surging forward. Whereas Wood. You know, I don't know what her deal is at Syndicate. I know that she married John Wood. Like, she just hasn't looked that sharp, and she looks lost at times her last couple fights um, where she's not quite sure what to do, and she's been getting hurt, um, which I'm not used to seeing from uh, from from Joanne Wood. So I I think that the precision striking of Alexa Grazo is going to create a lot of problems and is as good as Calder Wood, who came up, of course, as a kickboxer. Uh, Wood, not Calder Wood anymore, sorry. Um you know, as good as uh, her jits is, and I think she's got pretty good jujitsu. Her wrestling isn't going to be good enough to exploit any deficiencies that Grazo has. So I think Grazo wins a, a fairly competitive uh, bout that's largely contested on the feet. That she's going to be fresher, healthier. She's not coming off getting hurt in a recent fight, um, and it will be her. Uh, I think it's her fight to lose. Yeah, it's hard to tell whether or not uh, Joanne Wood is in a bad place in life right now. I mean, she just got married to John Wood, her head well, coach. Which I don't think she's in a bad place in life, but like maybe being really high. Like, what, 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 what role does fighting play for her? Like, who are her training partners now? It's a tough division, and she's been around for a while. Like, it's just... I mean, she's, she is also 37 years old, right? And that may be and, one of the bigger factors. We know that with yeah. these smaller fighters, at least smaller men... 37 years old, man. You're you're way behind at 135 and, pounds, right? Well, also, 125 has been getting better, and these fighters like Razo have been, you know, have been coming along. Uh, so and, and and sort of growing up before our eyes as fighters. So, I think I think Alexa Grazo should have enough. I also got to believe that after that last performance, um, Joanne Woods got some doubt, got some doubt in her in her head after after what Talia. Talia Santos just went like right through her. I did think that she deserved the victory against Lauren Murphy. Um, you know, and she had that loss against Jennifer Maya where I think she had a bit of a mental slip and ended up getting subbed in there. So I think it could be competitive, but I really think that I think that Grazo's got all the momentum. Uh, yeah, I, I, I look, I tend to think you're right. I could, I could definitely see ways for Joanne Wood to win this fight. She has higher output. She throws longer strikes. She can keep Alexa Grasso at a distance. Um, I think it's risky to pick it quite this early. I think the odds are too far apart. 
I would even seriously consider, um, I would consider taking a rider on Joanne Wood, but um, I'm officially picking Grosso. She, you're right, the trajectories are going in opposite directions, but you have to look at Wood's losses too, right? She lost to Talia Santos, who's, you know, a title challenger now. Like, she's legit. She dominates girls. Granted, she kind of ran through Wood, and that's worrying. Lauren Murphy was a super, super close back-and-forth fight that could have easily gone either way. Jennifer Maya, uh, she did get caught by an armbar, right? That's concerning. She's getting finished now in the first round, particularly by submissions. Doesn't have to worry about submissions in this matchup, which is, you know, against strikers, she tends to do well. Andrea Lee, Jessica I, Ariane Lipsky, right? Uh, I think Kalindra Faria is a striker as well. Um, well, time out, time out. She got finished yeah. by a sub against Talia Santos, but Talia Santos hurt her bad. No she doubt was, about it. But, she was uh, knocked silly. That's right. what enabled the rear naked choke. No doubt about it, but Alexa Grosso hasn't shown that kind of power. Again, I agree with you on the pick. Not that kind um, of power. I just but feel like the odds are too wide apart. Precise hands. You know what I want to see quickly, Nick? What, what are the odds Joanne wins by decision? Because I, I think that's worth a little bit of a throwaway. Even if you include Alexa Grosso in one of your parlays, you can have kind of a hedge. You know what? Go to one here. of your sites or text your bookie, you degenerate, and come back with that prop bet. Plus 450, Nick, at bet 365 that's plus a, that's four i mean 50. that's that's not, that's i would i would potentially take that but in our game which i oh yeah, yeah hotly, i get that you know very competitive i'm going with grazo what's your pick you scumbag gambler god damn it nick that's a little bit strong a little bit aggressive but i'll take it. I'm, I'm, i'm a little bit strong i am a little bit aggressive that's why i'm, I'm nipping at your heels you should be last week heels. yeah you got oh, anything yeah, else to chapped say heel, chapped heel motherfucker Chap heel, my, my heels are actually pretty moisturized. I'll I don't want to look know. at your. Do you want me to show them to you? I can show them to you on camera. No, keep your big, ass, really big ass, like, All right. you know. But just know that, I, again, I can raise my leg up really high, just like I can kick you in the head effortlessly, Nick. I wouldn't even yeah, have to I think get, I get twice. it, yeah. You're the fucking Uzbek Ichabod Crane. All right, let's go. Ichabod who? I don't even know who that is. Nick, I'm, I'm, I'm a millennial. Ichabod, you don't know Ichabod uh, Ichabod, what a name. Stop that. Stop Ichabod, that. Don't do this, Nick. It's not. Who's that walking down the street? Are God they shovels or are they feet? Nope. You don't know that? Okay. It's a... Uh... Do you not know who Ichabod Crane is? I don't. Ichabod Crane is the protagonist of Washington Irving's story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And he's known I for... I see. I remember that. He's known for his tall... You know, his, his large feet, a big nose. He's kind of like you, except he was a you know, colonial American. Good martial artist? Decent looking fellow. No, but women women loved him and he had a prodigious appetite. I do like to eat. All right, Nikolai. My next pick. And he fought well, he fought with a Dutch guy. His arch enemy was Dutch. So based on your kickboxing style. Anyway, why don't we do this was a fucking unfortunate tangent. So let's go back to our picks. Thank you for taking us <laughs> on that tangent and thank you finally for bringing us back. Nick. I'm I'm struggling trying to pick between a, a couple of fights here. I think for my next pick, I have no choice but to but to take Mano Ferrero to earn a decision over Jennifer Maya, I think there is some risk here. What I don't like is Ferrero is quite a bit faster than Maya. She's taller than Maya. She has better footwork. She can stay on the outside throwing kicks, whereas Maya relies on her heavy hands, relies on getting into the clinch for takedowns. Um, there's a chance Maya can ride out you know, a decision here from top position. There's a chance she could potentially land bigger uh, kind of strikes, even though Fiero is is uh, kind of outpacing her. But uh, I'm going to take Mano Fiero here. I think she's too big of a favorite. Jennifer Maya, by decision, probably gives you like plus 600 odds or something crazy like that. Also worth like 15 bucks. Like, what do you have to lose, really? Well, you know, 15 bucks. Um, 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. But I, you picked it. I could I could see the upside because we don't know enough about Thero in an, in a compromising position right now. Does she turn into Houston Alexander on her back? Like we I like we don't know. We so you really you think it. you you think this this tall blonde lady is going to turn into a muscular like shorter bald guy? No, I just I just she, mean if I know, she, if, does I know, she know man. how to defend? Is she going to be able to defend against a key lock? Like I don't I just don't know yet. But yeah. I, I would have done the same pick. I just have been uh, you know kicking the can down the road. Uh, I I will part. say I will say this, Nick. If you place um, let's say a unit on Fiero by decision minus one hundred five, she's not likely to finish Maya. Maya is very durable. And then you have Maya by decision of plus five twenty five. You can throw like I don't know twenty bucks on that and make over a hundred. Um, you know, eighteen bucks and win a hundred, something along those lines, right? Like just j- just a small p- couple of pieces that you can put into place where you give yourself a win win. Odds are one of these girls is not finishing the other. Sure. What you got next, bro? Um, I'm a big fan of uh, the the chess playing Czech, the uh, the Undertaker, David Vorak. Um, impressive fighter, undefeated in the UFC. Um, he's going up against Matthias uh, Nikolau. Um, He's also pretty good. He had that that recent fight against uh, against Tim Elliott, where uh, you know he it was good. It was a good back and forth scrap. Um, but I like um, I just like I like Dvorak. I think he's uh, I mean they're both pretty well rounded. But I I think that Dvorak's a bit uh, a bit more thoughtful in there, a bit more composed, um, has good poise, and I think he's going. To, I think he's going to win a decision strictly by being. Um, even if he's a little bit more predictable, the more uh, the more technical fighter in there. This is going to be a tidy, tidy fight. It's going to be super close. I think you've got that uh, spot on. I'm also edging Dvorak by just a little bit. Mateo, Mateos Nicolau, he can compete with the very best in the world, and it can be a super, super close decision going either way. And David Dvorak has proven not only to be really technical everywhere, he's got a really good game where he pressures using his kicks, right? Which means he's not in danger of counters. And then as soon as his opponent throws something, he counters with uh, big hand combos. Solid left hook in particular. Really good tie clinch. Uh, pretty good footwork, man. I, I, I think, like, I'm a big believer in in this guy, but Nicolau's no joke. He has got a really good UFC record. And he throws a lot of calf kicks. I could see that being an issue for Dvorak as he's kind of uh, pressing forward. Uh, flying knees as Dvorak is, is uh, pressing forward could be a concern. But I agree with you. I've got Dvorak close. Uh, I wouldn't have picked this this early, though. This is this is a fight I'm very much yeah, looking forward I, to, I but not one I'm confident in. I might have made a mistake. but um, Yeah. Uh, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between Carol Hosa and Sarah McMahon. Uh, this I thought about taking this one, but I just it's a, this was a tough one for me to pick. I understand where you're coming from because Sarah McMahon, right? Like she, I think she took down 14 of her 16 UFC opponents. The two that she could not take down was Amanda Nunes, and uh, and we all know she got smoked by Ronda Rousey in, in a few moments, just like a body knee. And that's the thing, like mentally, not very strong. Next, she like talked that about that seems awfully weird for an Olympic champion. I couldn't agree with you more, right? I'm sure she's got the grit of a of a wrestler, but she's also incredibly athletic. How many girls have we seen that are as athletic as her? Extremely few, right? And I'd like to see uh, like some of her wrestling losses, how that went. I think she got a bronze medal, which is incredibly impressive, but she's like on a different league, athletic, and and so I can see her steamrolling a lot of women that were technical that just didn't have the strength to match her up. Um, she just, you know, she does really well for five minutes, Nick, and. I don't know how long wrestling matches that uh, go. I don't think they go 15 minutes, right? She does really well for five minutes. 
dominates just about anybody in the first round, it seems like, and then everything falls apart shortly thereafter. I don't know if it's that she panics once a fight goes deep, that she can't uh, stay consistent. I don't know if that's if it's that she's putting out too much effort in the first round to have any energy left later. I don't know if it's j- just that she's mentally just falls apart, but um, she, she doesn't, doesn't fight very often. She only fights about once a year. I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, by the way, she she is, from I understand, the wrestling coach at Team Alpha Male, um, and and her her protege uh, uh, took a loss last week. Who was that? McKenna is her protege. That's somebody that uh, apparently she is the she is the wrestling coach of. Didn't have a great night. Um, I don't know that that uh, Sarah's going to have one either. I think she's going to have a great first round. This might be worth live betting, right? Because if Sarah McMahon dominates the first round, those odds are going to flip in her favor, presumably. And most of us know that she's going to fall apart shortly after. So that's a great time to take advantage of it. Place a bet on Carol Rosa at that point. And Carol should be able to take over in the second half of the fight, in the, in the second and third rounds. Um, could potentially score a TKO finish. Um, possibly a submission finish, but she has shown a tendency to be taken down. She can be controlled. So that first round, again, going to look pretty good for Sarah McMahon, I think. But shortly after, Carol Rose's pressure should take over. This one's so tough. I just don't, I really just don't know. I think you're probably right, but there's just, there's questions about where's McMahon at, and there's questions about what happens when Rosa gets in a, Hosa gets in a compromising position against a, um, Olympic medalist wrestler who's got some subs, who's been subbed probably has been subbed more times than she than she has subbed. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. But against high level opponents, to be fair, right? This is like a this is like a big barometer for Hosa, who you know if she can get past this, then she's really ready for that top maybe seven or eight. Um, if if she can't, then you know the the gate has been kept. I just don't expect Sarah McMahon to keep it. Uh, what do you got next, bud? I'm gonna go with. You know, he's done well for me in the past. He doesn't, I don't think, until, I don't think he knows how to lose till we see him beaten. I'm going to go with flyweight sensation who's been on the shelf due to injury. Oscar, 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 <laughs> Oscarov. Um, to be in an amazing fight that I wish was five rounds. Uh, Kai Kara, France. France. France is really, really good. I just think that, He's going to be a step behind in the scrambles. And we've seen Oskarov get hit by guys with mega power uh, like France has and do do okay with it. And I think as good as Kaikara France is, that his wins against Bonturin and Garbrand will not age as well as like Oskarov's uh, draw against uh, uh, Brendan Moreno or his uh, decisive victories over Pentoha, Timelia, and Joseph Benavides. So I just think that Oskarov, if he's bounced back from this injury okay, um, it's just a little bit it's just a little bit slicker, and over three rounds should be able to score more points and avoid getting finished. I agree with you on the pick. I do think there's some risk, especially at these odds with Kai Kara France, who, like, Kai Kara France could legitimately be on, like, a whole new level now. He hasn't really shown this kind of power before, and now he's coming off two big knockout wins. You could say whatever you want about Cody Garbrandt's chin, but Rogerio Monterrey, man, does not have a shitty chin. That guy's tough. That guy's legit. But Monterrey, until he got knocked out, got top position, basically dominated on the ground, right? So I can see Askar Askarov keeping it together as he as he does that. Askar was knocked down, I believe, twice by Brandon Moreno, which is why part partly why I think that's ridiculous that that was a, a draw. But, um, you know, he got right back up. He recovered immediately. I believe he's at least partially deaf, so he's not really able to hear his corner. So he's basically all alone out there. Uh, I, I like this guy. Um, I don't know how promotable he is because, like, you know, he's very meek. No, not... 
He's not promotable at all. No, not not at all. But 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 I do like him. He's a high level fighter, and and he's probably one of the more like under mentioned people coming out of Dagestan. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Ilir Latifi and Alexei Olenek. We all know Olenek, right? He's like 49 and a half years old. Not literally, but not too far off. I think Ilir Latifi, um, he has no neck, so he's hard to choke, right? He I is extremely, yeah, he's extremely inactive on the feet, which is concerning, but he does get top position well, and I think he should be able to avoid takedowns. I could see him, the way he grabs a clinch, I could see Olenek potentially getting that at weird Ezekiel choke, but he hasn't gotten it in ages. He hasn't gotten it against an opponent of this caliber. And Alir Latifi, as much as I thought he was going to look like shit, uh, at heavyweight, given his size, right? He's got like the frame of a middleweight or or, uh, or uh, potentially even a 170 pounder, right? He's like five foot, what, nine? Um, fighting at heavyweight, five foot 10 um, with a 75 inch reach, but he's coming off of a split decision win over Tanner Bozer. He arguably beat Derek Lewis, right? So, like, super close decision with Derek Lewis. I think Olenek, you know, uh, the way he drops off in the second half of the fight, unless he catches a choke early. It's not looking good for him. I like Latifi to pick up a win here. Uh, he was at a better value earlier in the week, actually. I placed a bet on him, Nick. I think it was like minus 125 or something. Um, and so, uh, you know, minus 200, not as good of a deal. But I would say include him in a parlay or two. I like it. Um, I have the same pick, and I think you're probably right. We both probably should have had this one up a bit, a bit uh, sooner. Yeah. Um, next up is... The question's going to get answered about who Mark Diakisi really is. And I think that I'm favoring um, his team alpha male opponent, Slava Claus. Slava Claus, uh, Vyacheslav uh, Borshev, um, Russian fighter out of team alpha male, has good, has a, you know, pretty good uh, wins lately in terms of finishes on the contender series and against Dakota Bush with the unfortunate nickname. So a step up in competition here. But frankly, Daikisi hasn't looked uh, very good the last couple of years. Um, he got overwhelmed by uh, Rafael Fiziev, didn't really get much off in what was supposed... You know, everyone was looking at, though, Daikisi Fiziev's going to be like Fiziev Riddell, and it wasn't. It was like it was like Fiziev against some other dude. Um, and then he got choked out pretty quickly in his last fight. I think that... Um, the, the, the well-rounded uh, skills coming out of Team Alpha Male and, and its, its grappling-heavy pedigree is going to cause a lot of problems for a flashy kickboxer that hasn't quite uh, adapted uh, since coming over from England. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, Dikasi does pretty well against strikers generally, but I think he struggles against pressure fighters, and that's exactly what Vacheslav is. Vacheslav can get tagged, he'll recover, he keep, he'll keep moving forward. His body shots are going to be devastating to Dikasi, I think. And, you know, Dikasi is the kind of guy who can show up one day and be brilliant, show up another day and be a complete can. So hard to really be kind of very confident in a matchup with him involving anybody of, of a caliber. And, you know, I, I think Vacheslav has... I, yeah. Vacheslav has some potential, so I, I tend to agree with you. He has a higher ceiling. Daikizi well, is wish.com Edson Barbosa. He's really great at being the hammer and not so good at being the nail. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, but he doesn't have the fundamentals even like Barbosa. But you're right. He's he's kind of the he's kind of the cheaper version. That's why I said wish. That's why I said wish.com. Is, is that like is that like knockoff stuff, Nick? Wish.com. Well, people like, always joke about it. Like wish.com version of something is the is the not as good version. Some would say, Nick, that you're the wish.com version of me. What do you think? Not at all. Oh, we're totally different products. How so? I'm in the toy L, and you are where? Home improvement. 
You hurt my feelings, man. Why? Um, What's wrong with home improvement? Just, Wait, what is wrong with improving your home? Nick, you my are, next pick. <laughs> yep. Just keep um, it going. My next pick is going to be. I think I'm going to take. Um, I'm going to pick from the Brian Barbonera Matt Brown matchup. Uh, this one is going to be fucking balls. Oh the boy, ball. exciting! Um, Barbonera, who has, who's Barbarina, excuse me, who's known for being super durable, known for being tough and gritty as hell, having endless cardio, and only really losing to top level opposition. Lately, he has been slipping, man. He hasn't been looking that good against lower-level fighters. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's the fact that he has a bunch of kids, the fact that he moved out of his uh, camp where he used to train, which I think was uh, in Arizona, uh, the MMA lab. I'm not sure what it is, but he, he is just... It might be durability. It might be the fact that he's taken so much punishment over the course of his career. Um, and he is coming off of a close win over Darian Weeks. He took the fight on like a day or two notice. Decision could have gone either way. And I, I saw Darren uh, Weeks as a, as a potentially a, a live underdog in that role, but overall two and three in his last five fights, right? With losses to Jason Witt, where he was like throttled by him, knocked down by him a couple times. Jason Witt doesn't, isn't known for having a very good chin at all. He just needed to hit him clean twice. Could have been his fight, but he just got taken over by the pressure. I think Matt Brown, who still has some firepower in those hands, we've seen it time and again, right? He he doesn't have the best cardio, uh, certainly not like he used to, right? He he still pressures well. He, he'll still go to a close decision with Carlos Condit that could have gone uh, either way, if I remember correctly, right? He, he didn't get dominated in that one. So I'm going to take Matt Brown who's going to be buoy um, kind of kind of pushed over the top hopefully energy wise by the Ohio crowd I, I assume they're going to be extremely partisan toward him so I'm going to take the hometown guy especially after last week's event yeah I'm uh, I'm with you on this I think and it's not just his hands like Brown's knees and elbows are really vicious and Barbarina's not dur- you know durability isn't the same as defense and I think that Barbarina has got some cracks in his durability and that the, the, you know, the fights, the fight with Luke, the fight with Randy Brown, they put a lot of extra miles on a, on a tough guy, but a guy who having his wrestling base um, has been too eager to, and you know, he's had some success with it, but he's been too eager to throw with, with just more powerful, more accurate, more diverse and technical strikers. And, I believe Matt Brown's probably going to finish this fight. I think he'll probably finish it with a forearm or an elbow, uh, followed by ground and pound. As much as I love Barbarina, I got to go with Brown too. Yeah, but I will say just quickly, looking at the record tonight, it seems like they're. I mean, Matt Brown is also not looking too good. He is what three and five in his last eight. So both guys in the slip again. This will be exciting. Um, paper could go either way, but I, I agree with you on the pick. Obviously, uh, what's your next? It's pick? your pick. Don't agree with me. I was agreeing with you. Bitch. Well, I'm agreeing with your agreement. You're agreeing. With, you're, my yeah, you're agreeing with my agreement. That's right. Damn straight you are. Um, what do we got left here? I don't know. Tough guy. Two fights There's left. A, uh, two Gutierrez, Batgarel, and Saldana Souza. So one of them is going to be a pick, and the other is just going to be a is going to be a extra thing. A potential right? replacement, yeah, that's right. But we'll still uh, give a quick pick and break down. Yep, I'm. Uh... Oh gosh, this is tough. I'll just I'll just take all day here. Um, I think I'm going to go with. Uh... You know, I really, I really like the Mongolian fighter, um, uh, Bakarel Dana. 
I thought he uh, he looked pretty awesome against Brandon Davis. He's got uh, and Chris Gutierrez is very good, but he man he um, he's one of those guys who tempts fate in every fight, and I'm not sure that you can get away with that against uh, against um, uh, Jesus. Bad girl. Bad girl against Bad girl. So I'm gonna go with Bad girl Dana over Gutierrez. Yeah, it's tricky because but Gorilla's super explosive. He has serious power. But Gutierrez has a habit of keeping like boxing base fighters at a distance with his kicks. He just keeps peppering, keeps peppering. And this will be in a big octagon where Gutierrez will have plenty of room to move around and get away from um Bud Gorilla's firepower. We've seen Bud Gorilla get a couple of first round knockouts, right? But but if you if you kind of look a little bit further into his career. Yeah, he's got three first-round knockouts against guys like Brandon Davis, uh, Natividad, and Guido Gennetti. I know we just saw uh, Canetti pick up a win recently, but, you know, he's largely a UFC jobber. Um, so not the highest level of competition. I would say Gutierrez has faced the higher level of competition thus far. <coughs> Excuse me, beating guys like uh, Andre Ewell, uh, Vince Morales, who's, who's decent. And again, no, no, neither has fought anybody high level, but... I'm I'm gonna edge toward Gutierrez by a slight margin. I hope Batgarel comes through here, but he doesn't really go for takedowns, which is where we've we've seen Gutierrez show weakness at least early in a fight. And I could see Batgarel winning that first round because he's a he's a fast starter, and it seems like uh, Gutierrez is a slow starter. Hopefully, like we had a matchup between a fast starter and a slow starter in the main event last week between Aspinall and uh, Volkov. And man, that proved catastrophic for Volkov, right? If Volkov had just only made it into the third round, probably would have taken over. He just could never get there. So I could see Becquerel getting that first round knockout because Gutierrez is a slow starter. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give the edge to Gutierrez to use his footwork and range kicks. Nick, that'll do it for this one, except for Luis Saldana versus Bruno Souza. Any thoughts on this one? I'm going with Souza if we have to. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably edge Souza ever so slightly too. Saldana's a pretty good striker. Uh, Souza's got that like Machida style, um, pretty low output at times, which is concerning. But I think he counters well, and I think Saldana will be there to be hit. Uh, it's going to be close, and Souza might come on strong late and, and maybe uh, and maybe edge him out by putting the pressure on in the third round. But easily could go either way. Nick, that'll yeah. do it for this one. Uh, let me see. We have just a couple of minutes left to record, Nick, because we've got other shit to do. Uh, any opinions on last week's card? UFC London. Yeah, it was super exciting. It just I think that's what you get when you when you kind of uh listen, it was they wanted the home they, England's a big market for them. They want they wanted the fans excited. I think that they gave a lot of hometown heroes uh, favorable matches and it led to uh big finishes for Aspinall, for Molly Meatball McCann, for Patty uh, Pimblet. So you know, good stuff, a fun a fun card. Um and it's okay to have those once in a while. It's just like, let's not get carried away. You know, that's the thing that I don't, I don't like it when the UFC tries to stage North cut somebody too hard. Um, I was surprised that Volkov didn't do great. I was surprised that Arnold Allen came out like a world beater. And right. just, it just, he threw so many strikes. He was much more aggressive, I feel like, than we're used to seeing. A little bit reckless even. He got, uh, he got tagged pretty hard. But just uh, outlasted and banged out. Uh, Dan Hooker uh, to Perea, real exciting. Um, ate that head kick, almost got finished, and came back. Uh, we had two eyes wide open walk off knockouts on a card with Molly McCann just destroying Luana Carolina, uh, Carolina and to Perea, the flooring Jay Herbert, which was pretty cool. My boy to Perea, 
And we had, as usual, like, you know, the comeback kid, Paul Craig, the Bear Jew, like, just really, just a, a, a pretty fun, overall good and exciting matchmaking, even if, uh, as we knew from our picks, it was not hard to tell who were who the favored men were going to be, uh, or men and women were going to be. You, of course, uh, you know, you mispicked on Corey McKenna, because you don't always know what you're doing, and then Oh, you... please, you were going to, this was just a Texas change pick, we didn't do an episode last week, folks, in case you're wondering if you missed one, uh, we just kind of texted our picks and ended up each scoring four points. But yes, I did miss a close decision on McKenna. I will not make excuses like some people do. I will not complain. Uh, I still scored a two-pointer with Paul Craig because I expected him to get roughed up and then eventually get a submission. I just didn't think it would necessarily happen. Oh, yeah, you also round. you also picked Volkov. You were wrong about that, too, and I had Aspinall. So, yeah. Definitely. Uh, oh, you, well. you know, I, I picked Volkov, and it's always easy to go with the like up-and-coming prospect. But, man, Volkov, like, again, I really think... If he just made it to the third round, he could have probably started to take over, right? But the problem is with Aspinall, it's really hard to make it past that five, six-minute mark. The dude's a finisher, extremely talented on the ground. I don't know if Volkov didn't show up. He showed up significantly lighter than he has for the last few fights. Uh, he, he was tipping the scales 265. I think he showed up at low 50s or high 40s in this one, right? So significantly lighter. Didn't look um, like he was holding as much muscle on. I don't know what's going on in Russia right now. I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if the economy crashing over there is having a big effect on his ability to train, et cetera, the war and all of that. But, man, he looked like shit, dude. It's like he didn't show up. Um, Arnold, uh, but Tom Aspinall, offensively extremely talented. I want to see what he does if he's, if he's put in a bad position. I want to see him fight a third and fourth round before I'm really bought all the way into him. But, dude, he's a heavyweight. He could just keep finishing guys in the first round. And we might not discover that you know he's a, he's a fraud until, <laughs> until two years uh, from now after he's on a huge winning streak. Yeah. Maybe holding the title now, uh, at heavyweight, that's doable. And then Arnold Allen, man, just ran through yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. That was. And insanity. I just want to say quickly, we've got. There's nothing happening next weekend, but then really? no card at all. Yeah, no card. It might be because it's WrestleMania weekend. I'm not sure, but they've got it off. And but then we've got a main card for the ages and a pretty good undercard. Gilbert Burns in the return of Hamzat Shemaev. Hamzat. Hamzat. We've got the we've got the sniper uh, Nazardine Imavov taking on Kelvin Gastelum. Um, a real gate, you know, gatekeeper prospect fight. We've got Tisha Torres, who's looking good against Mackenzie Dern, and then a pair of title fights: Peter Jan against um, uh, um, yeah, Aljamain Sterling, uh, looking to retake a belt that many think he didn't lose. And then um, we've got a Korean zombie who's been training with Henry Cejudo against Alexander Volkanovsky. And like, man, a, a zombie training with Cejudo is a dangerous zombie indeed. Um, we saw Alexander Volkanovsky look a little. Um, comp not compromised, but like he was on the verge of losing his belt um, against Brian Ortega. So initially, I was not that excited about this matchup. I wasn't sure that the zombie had earned it, but I think that no matter what, it's going to be a thrilling fight. So I'm pretty fired up about that um, about that card and the prelims. They've knocked down Jorginho Rosenstrike to the to the prelims, possibly the early prelims. He'll be taken on Marcin Sabura. Wow. We got uh, the, we got the fierce uh, Drikas Duplessis coming back against Anthony Hernandez. Good, uh, you know, good good looking fights here. Aspen Ladd comes back at one thirty five. We'll see against Irene Aldana. That's interesting. Like pretty yeah, definitely pretty good some card. good stuff coming up. It, it it seems like we're we're past this lull where the UFC's fight night cards were so shitty for a while, where there were so many debuting fighters who well, barely belonged in the UFC, and now. 
we like look at these cards and we recognize damn near every name on them, including this well, one's card, pay, including that's, that's last pay, week's yeah. card. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that one, Volkanovski Zombie, with the two title fights, is obviously a pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. That's a pay-per-view. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty big card. Uh, but I, I am particularly... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of intriguing matchups. Imava versus Gastelum, I'm intrigued by. Uh, Chimaev Burns, I'm, I'm yeah. obviously into. I always love watching potentially pound-for-pound pound greatest fighter uh, in the world, Alexander Volkanovsky. Anytime he competes, I'm down. And I like that he's competing against somebody that's like half a level below him for the first time in a long time. Can he run through chance on junk? Can this be a situation in which he can get a finish? Um, I'm very intrigued by this one, man. I mean, maybe. At the same time... It's not likely, the zo- right? The, zombie, the zombie's a guy that's never quite... He's always been more potential and more talent than what he's been able to put together. And when you get in there with, with someone like Cejudo's camp, which kind of is just... You know, seems to be uh, helping guys quite a bit. Um, do they have a? You know, Sahudo's been watching Volkanovski very, very closely. Like, does he have a roadmap? Does he have a plan? Uh, we'll see. Yeah, you know what I'm seeing, Nick. Uh, Ian Gary versus Darian Weeks. I was talking about Darian Weeks earlier. Yeah, because he lost that Ian super Gary close back. fight to uh, Barbonero. Yeah, I'm, that's another great fight. Um, Daniel Santos, I'm not sure who that is, but he's fighting Julio Arce, who I'm always a fan of. Mickey Gall, who's now fighting, uh, training out of Sanford MMA, is on the card. Not a big name, but I'm intri- dude, I'm, I'm very much intrigued. I'm, I'm excited. I, I don't mind the week off either, Nick. We'll see whether we can find something interesting to talk about, see if we'll record an episode. That'll do it for this one, buddy. Thank you, and I look forward to boasting about my clear-cut win, Nick. I'm going to widen not, the I'm not gap sure. between I, I think us. You, I think you picked well, but I think this one's going to be close, too. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Later, bud.